you don't really understand why you're here, do you? I said, I have no idea. And then they told me the story about how they mixed the cards got mixed up, and then they saw what we really had, and then they gave us this global agreement. Whiskey warm to waking in. Have some fun while you're here. Do you listen? Do you hear? It's coming in loud and clear. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Lee Michaels. We're here with another episode of Battle Scars, a uh, podcast that we've been doing on the regular uh, monthly. And I'm here with my old business partner, Patrick Callahan. Hello. And uh, we've got a uh, we've been getting into the mood of getting guests, and it's really added to the conversation. And this week, we are very honored to have Vance Kirshner. Hello, everyone. <laughs> awesome. And um, since uh, Patrick, since you have been working closely with Vance, just and, a little bit, yep. and even closer now, I'd love it if uh, maybe you could give an introduction. Yeah, sure. So. Um, as I think a lot of people know, uh, Compass Red was acquired by Labware um, this year, which is exciting. Uh, so I'm a little bit biased. I'll put that out there. Um, but just doing a quick introduction of Vance. Um, Vance Kirshner is the founder of CEO of Labware. Um, it's a multinational company servicing over 2,500 customers in more than 125 countries and over 29,000 labs and probably more than that right now. Um, what's exciting is it's founded right here in Wilmington. Um, I know they do hundreds of thousands of samples a day, or the companies do, uh, which is just an amazing feat of its own. Um, Vance is also involved in a bunch of other things, but before I start with that, um, normally I say I'm the dumbest guy in the room, <laughs> but I, I am talking to two people who opened restaurants during the middle of the pandemic, so I don't know, maybe <laughs> I've got a little bit of leg up on that. Um, uh, he's the purveyor of Goobers, uh, which is an awesome Wilmington diner uh, that just opened up a few a year or so. Ago, a little over a year, yeah. A little over a year ago, um, Buckley's, um, and then invests in so many other companies around here that have great cultures. Um, I think the coolest thing about Goobers is that at change over time, you see every police officer that's in there. Like it's really fascinating to see the community come together like a traditional diner would have, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, Vance graduated from the University of Delaware uh, in mechanical engineering. I think you're a big, passionate fan of university as well. Um, and he's, uh, he, you've got everything. So that, there, I could go on and on <laughs> about this stuff, but we need to get to the battle scars. So. Well, great. Um, so we like to talk about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we like to talk about what it was like getting started um, so that people understand how the road isn't always easy. It isn't like you grab the you know, the prize out of the Cracker Jacks and all of a sudden things were golden or you were handed a, a ton of money, you lived, you inherited a bunch of money and all of a sudden things were golden. Um, you made a lot of steps uh, from what I, and little research that I did, uh, you started at DuPont and then you ended up leaving DuPont with something that you were creating on your own. That's correct. Intellectual property became a, a little bit of a challenge. It certainly did. Could you uh, go into that a bit? Sure. So um, working at DuPont as an engineer, uh, I saw the need that if you're trying to have a better control systems for the plants, that it was important that you be able to bring laboratory data into the real-time control system. And there was no, really, no real way to do that. So I set about on my own time with my own equipment to solve that problem. And it took me a couple of years. Um, and then DuPont got wind of it. And they approached me, and they said, well, that belongs to us. And I said, no. <laughs> and they said, well, did you really read your employment agreement? I said, yes. 
Um, how, and old are, how old are you at, at this at, point? At this point in time, I'm – this is middle 20s. Okay, got it. All so right. you're just a few years out, yeah. a few years into DuPont. Yeah, a few years into DuPont. And so the um, the, the way that that all happened and or, or went forward was is, is that it was just – it was me defending myself against – what arguably at that moment in time was probably the most powerful corporation yeah. in the world and their legal department about who owns this IP. Uh, and, and you didn't have a floor of lawyers like they did. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but I, I, I made the point to him. I said, well, you know, what, what if I had a McDonald's franchise and I worked at DuPont? Would, would that mean that you would own my McDonald's franchise? And no, of course not. Well, I said, well, what's the difference? I said, I've, I did this all on my own time using my know-how, independent of anything to do with my job, and using my own equipment. So how is that related to you? And uh, we negotiated on that for probably six months, you know, to try to figure out a, a, a peaceful resolution, if you will. Um, and the, the outcome was that uh, I uh, negotiated with them that uh, it was okay if, you know, that if they recognized it was my IP, mm-hmm. that they could be my first customer. <laughs> <laughs> and they could pay me a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> and wow. I would give them a year head start before I give it to anybody else. Wow. So that, that, was, that was how that turned out. Uh, so, so it was a challenge, you know, it was, it, and it was intimidating. Sure. Um, and it, you know, a lot of uh, sleepless nights trying to figure out how to sort it out, but ultimately it turned into something good. So intellectual property is something that um, everybody is keenly aware of. Um, and a lot of times, like when we're working with clients, when we were look, working with clients at Archer, who owns the intellectual property, it oftentimes became an issue. Um, and so for somebody starting out, um, even though it wasn't, connected to your day job you still had you still got a lot smarter on the issues from your day job and uh, that's got to be a challenge for a lot of people that are trying to they they learn something at work they learn that they become keenly aware of a problem that needs to be solved because of their job Uh, do you have any advice for people that are that are trying to do that that are trying to um, they see a problem needs to be solved their company either isn't focused on solving it or it isn't in their core competency but this person thinks they could go out and solve that on their own Yes, I do have some comments on that. The, the first thing I would say is you should never look at the problem from the perspective of one set of eyes looking at, a, at something and saying, um, this is the problem. Or, a, you know, it's a problem, but is it the problem? You need to validate that and make sure that that's something that, that a broad industry or, or, or broad number of companies face the same issue. Because if you want to build a business around solving something, it needs to be something which is broadly applicable. Okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're, you're not really going to be able to, to, to be successful at building a, a business around that. Sure, sure. Right, and you, you, you were doing that then. Yes. That's fantastic. So when, did, when um, DuPont said, okay, we'll try this out, did you leave immediately there after? No, I spent three years at DuPont. Wow. And there's, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can say this, but there's still a client today, yeah, right? That's correct. Wow. And, and the reason that I spent uh, three years w- there was because, uh, first off, it's a different time and place than it is now. The way, the, the, it, we, there was no such thing as a VC or, mm. or, 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 or you know, 
ways to get money from, quote, investors, well, maybe friends and family, but mine didn't have any money. So I couldn't really afford to go out and try to start the business um, on my own. I didn't want to put my family at risk. So, mm-hmm. so I was really doing three things at one time. So I was working for DuPont. I was developing the labware business, and I was raising money. And the way I raised money or make money to uh, launch the company was rehabbing uh, homes. Really? Yeah. So I, I tried, I tried the, like playing the stock market and indexed options and all. Oh, it was just too scary. <laughs> you know, I didn't have control over it. You know, it was. Uh, so I, I said, I need something I have control over. And so what I did was I would buy uh, foreclosed homes on the, the, the second Wednesday of every month. They would auction them off at the courthouse steps in Wilmington. And uh, you were buying them. You saw them from the outside, but you didn't know anything about the inside. Sure. And so I, um, I bought three different homes. That way you have to pay cash for them. And then I did all the work myself. So I, I rehabbed them myself and then sold them. And then that gave me the money that I could use to really, you know, leave and, and you know, start, start the business. So this was obviously before YouTube. So how, how did you know all these different <laughs> skills of, you know, fixing the plumbing of, you know, whatever? I taught myself. I'm okay. an engineer, so <laughs> it came naturally to me to, to want to get my hands dirty and figure out how to how to do all that stuff. Right. You should right. see his cars. Yeah. And he's taught himself on all those things. <laughs> but but I'm an engineer, and my wife wouldn't let me do anything near home repair. So <laughs> it clearly was something different than just engineers. But well, that's great. So so you went out and you basically self fund rose, fundraised your uh, your what you needed to get started. That's correct. And was it to hire people, or was it just to pay to eat and feed the kids? Or no, was it-, it was to actually start to make it a real business with I could hire some people, and you yeah. know, and, and we could start to go out and you know and grow it. You know, yeah. I, I didn't need anything just for me to do it myself. But you know, if you need to be a real company, you you have to have some other people around. And then you found like when was that tipping point where it's like okay, now I don't have to stay at Dupont anymore. That tipping point, well, it occurred in 1991. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was because I was starting to generate enough revenue that I felt like uh, I was secure. So um, DuPont became my first customer, and Merck was my second customer. Okay. And the reason Small I ones. so yeah. I, I wanted to, to do that because the um, regulated industry is very different than non-regulated industry, and so I was again seeking validation that I had a generic solution. It would ap- apply to, across multiple industries, and so um, I got a fair amount of money from from Merck and then later uh, GlaxoSmithKline. They were quite interested in what I was doing. So I I could afford to do it then. Were these all local companies at the time? Was I don't I don't think GSK was, but was Merck here in our backyard in Delaware? They were not in the backyard in Delaware. They were but they weren't far away. They were in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious of like your expansion from, you know, when we were developing it, um, we were always saying when we walked down Market Street, in Delaware, we're going to run into our customers and we're going to see them and they're going to make them customers. And I think the majority of our clients in the beginning were from our local backyard. But you went international right away, right? It was a... Yeah, yes, it was an interesting um, story. So uh, very early days, we went to a trade show. It's called the Pittsburgh Conference. And back then... That's what you did if you had anything that was scientific right. that you were selling. You went to the Pittsburgh conference, and we were visited by a company who was a, a contract testing lab, and their big client was Kraft. 
Larry, the guy that was the CEO, was really intrigued with what we were doing and thought it was really awesome. And he didn't tell me this, but he wanted, he said, I, I, I want your car. And so he took my, he, he took two of my business cards. But what, what was going on behind the scenes was Kraft Foods was, they were running a selection for a new limb system that they were going to use across the company. And excuse me, limbs is laboratory, laboratory information, information management, management systems. Yeah. That's what that's the market that we live in. Mm -hmm. So Kraft Foods was looking for this system. They'd already picked the vendor that they wanted. Wasn't us. They never heard of us. Nobody had heard of us. And so their purchasing department had told them, you can't just go and sole source this. You have to get other competition. So they asked Larry <laughs> to go to the show <laughs> and to come back with a reference that was really lousy. <laughs> so you probably had the printed out business cards at that point <laughs> yeah. off the dot matrix printer. So, so, so he gave them two business cards. He said, well, this is the really lousy company, but you guys need to, to look at, at Labware. They got the cards mixed up. <laughs> so I got a call out of the blue that I had to go, you know, to Kraft Foods and do a demo like the next week. They out in the Midwest? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so in Chicago area. Mm -hmm. So, so I did. One of the early hires that I had here, Wayne and I, uh, he came from Kodak. Um, we went out there and we, and we were going through this, this demo and they were really interested in what we were doing. Really, really interested. And, and to just, this is a little aside as a, quote battle scar thing yeah. um so we took a break and, and i said to wayne wayne we have to we have to redefine what a lie means because i don't want to lie to them <laughs> but some of these questions are really dumb and some of these questions are things that we can't we don't have it right this minute but if they said come back tomorrow and show it to us we could ha i could show it to them sure so you know i said can we use that as a definition for how? <laughs> Morals, I like it. Vaporware. <laughs> so anyway, what happened was, you know, we went through a couple days of demos, and, and we had no idea why they even called us. Okay, we did, out of, it was out of the blue. Well, they, they then came back and they said, well, we want to select you for our global limb supplier. Wow. Glo global. Uh-huh. And so... How many employees were you at this point? Three, maybe. <laughs> And, and and so we go we go back into to you know negotiate the contract and the, um, the purchasing people said you don't really understand why you're here do you I said I have no idea and then they told me the story about how they mixed the cards got mixed up and then they saw <laughs> what we really had and then they gave us this global agreement but it meant that we needed to implement um, in in Chicago Munich Germany. And then in, in Australia, from the get-go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Which you can do overnight because you've redefined what that actually means. Yeah, so, but I mean, literally, was, was, like we need to, we, I gotta, we gotta figure this out like now, you know. <laughs> and so yes, yeah, so we went global early, and and it was it was really, uh, uh, I I never wanted to do that. I, I never even actually wanted to build a business at all in the sense of a bit, you know, servicing it and all that. I I wanted to be a tech guy, technology guy that solved the problem, that partnered with 
a bigger company that maybe a global company, you know, and let them do all of that. Let them go, you know, do the global sales, you know, do all the, the, yeah. the legwork and the consultancy and all that. And I would just be the tech guy. Right. And, and so, so that, that actually was the path I was chasing. I learned, uh, some big lessons from that. <laughs> the, the, in fact, it was, I was reminded, um, today when I, I was in New York city and I was, um, at, at Deloitte headquarters and was walking back to the train station. And I saw this, the, um, it was a Rockefeller centers. I saw, I see the rainbow room, boy, I haven't been there for a long time, <laughs> but, but the last time I was there, which was in the early nineties, I was trying to negotiate an agreement to be a tech guy for a very, very large company, very big, out of Palo Alto. Uh, I w- uh, trying to do it the way I was just explaining, or right. you know, like I'll be their tech. So they want the idea was they were gonna, they were gonna, they would buy, buy my technology. They were gonna make me vice president of technology for the company, and I'd have to move to Palo Alto. And I was sitting down with the president of this company over dinner to negotiate this. Okay. And it was really weird because he kept getting interrupted because he oh, the, he had to make a phone call. And he had this, the, he, he'd been presented by this gigantic deal, like really huge, that, this, that, that somebody wanted them to do. But he kept talking himself out of it. He kept calling back, no, no, we, 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 we can't do it. At, I'll make up a number, 100. You know, we, we can do it at 75. And then later, he'd call, he'd, I, sorry, uh, no, no, we'll do it at 50. <laughs> no, no, I can't commit more than 25. You know, I'm like, this is the CEO of a billion-dollar company. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, but, you know, he approved it, and um, I was on a path. I went out to, to Palo Alto and um, was, you know, looking for a house and all that kind of stuff. And it was um, one signature away from me doing that having that that deal done and it was three and a half million dollars is what they were going to pay me it was a big amount like after you fact then it was a big amount yeah you've developed it from nothing right i was making 50 grand at dupont you know yeah right so it was a lot of money uh, relative at the time yeah you know and they were going to put me in a position which i would have never dreamed of being in dupont yeah a vice president of this big company um and they got a new ceo the, like the, the next week, and he looked at it and said, "Nope, mm-mm. we can't trust our te- our future in 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 a you know a, a one guy sh- show." And yeah. he killed it. Oh, wow. Best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never heard that story. Yeah, it happened twice. Yeah, both both good results. I mean, both. Well, the, the next outcome time, was the, good. The, the next time, the next one I went to um, was another big international company, and. Uh, I hit it off immediately with with um, the the guy who was a president of of the of the group that was doing the laboratory instrument stuff, and he um, he really understood what I was trying to do, and so we again tried to make a, a partnership. But his company got acquired in the middle of doing this, and now he's part of a bigger company, and it was already a big company. Now it's a really big company, and so. They were trying to make a transition from how, how do you get your information management systems off of VAXs and stuff like that into client-server architecture. 
And they had been struggling for years trying to figure it out. Well, in, a, in about a month, I did it for them. I wrote them. I showed them how to do it. I just I ran all their stuff just like it would work, you know, without any changes. Same thing happened. They looked, they looked at it, and they said, well, we can't put a risk on Vance because I wouldn't agree that they wanted to tell me what I had to do and how to do it. And I'm like, no, that's the whole point. You don't know how to do it. I'm going to go to work for you and have you tell me what to do. You have to have a partnership so I can help you because you don't know how to do it. It just didn't – it just it wouldn't fly. Wow. So the, they said, okay, then, well, you have to just sell us, you know, this – what you did. So, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, Because you were – you knew the technology – you wanted to hold on – you knew the value of that IP? Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. I knew the value of the IP, and I wasn't, you know, they're not going to just work with me. Well, I'm going to work with them. Why give them something that was, would help them unless they're going to pay real money for it, and they right. didn't want to pay real money. Okay, okay. So so that was really interesting. So, so I, I, th- I thought that one was going to go through, too. You know, it seemed like a logical thing. It's a win-win, right? I mean, you know, everybody's going to win really big on this one. Um, but it, it didn't go through. Uh, because it was too risky for them again to part, you know have a little guy, little company, and, and when they thought that they were the tech leaders and thought they had all the answers, and of course they didn't, you know, so so that fell apart. But there, what they said was uh, not 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 the guy that brought me in, um, who was running the business. His name is Bob Hillhouse. Um, but their tech guys and the people from the, the company that acquired him, they said, well then we will crush you in the market. <laughs> <laughs> that went well. <laughs> so, okay. So, as earlier I mentioned that, you know, if you're doing this stuff, you have to go, you go to the, what's called the Pittsburgh Conference. And so it turned out that I was on a plane, um, like, a couple weeks later after they, this guy, Gordon, had said, I'm going to crush you in the market. And so I, I'm sitting in the plane. He's sitting over, you know, on the, across the aisle. So... so he goes, so did you figure out what you're going to do? I said, yeah. I said, I, 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 gotta, I brought in somebody who's going to help me grow the business internationally. Is that anybody I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he's, he's, he's like, well, who? I said, Bob. He's, Bob, Bob who? Now, Bob was his boss's boss. Okay? Oh. And Bob left the company be a partner with me because he <laughs> believed in what I was doing. Wow. Wow. And I wow. Did, and I crushed them in the market. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that motivate you though? Sometimes when somebody discounts you either from your size or your newness in the market or uh, we face that all the time where you would get up from this like we're going to we're going to crush it. <laughs> yeah, it's like that was the motivation. Yeah. And and um like Steve Jobs they said that Steve Jobs built the iPad because he went to dinner one night with somebody that worked at Microsoft that was basically saying, you know, we're going to build a, a tablet better than you and, and all. And he basically went home and said, all right, let's get this iPad thing underway. Let's get, let's get going. Yeah. Like, it's that, like, it's not necessarily that you, you want to beat others, but when somebody challenges you or demeans you or thinks you are not, they devalue what you can offer just based on either your, you know, your longevity in the market or newness or your size or whatever. Like th- that just motivates the hell that's out of me. That's when things happen. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. A- absolutely, yeah. that's when things happen. And yeah. and but it's interesting, like your comment, you know, so what you don't want to necessarily it isn't just about beating him in the market, it's about just doing a really good job and getting recognized. I've I've said many, many, many times, I wish I had better competitors. 
because if I had a better because when you have better competitors, it, it raises the game for everybody. Sure. You know, yeah. you, you need good competitors. Yeah, you never want to be comfortable. No. Do you, um so flip it on the other side. Was there in those first three years? Was there was there ever a moment in your decision you were going to say, "Screw this! I I can't do this. This is not the right business for me." I didn't say it that it wasn't the right business. I was wondering how the hell am I going to be able to do this because I've tried now with two different companies to partner with that had scale and scope to be able to go do it, and I yeah. failed in both times to get their attention. And it seemed like a very daunting task to go build an international company when you're a startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so it was more, it was just like, oh boy, this is, this is just hard. Yeah. You know, but I, I, never, I never had a doubt that, about it. Yeah. So um, talk about the international thing. Did, was it a frame of mind? Did you want to go international, take a Delaware company? Did you, did you look at yourself or was it already international from the start? So I mentioned about the Kraft Foods thing and that yeah. they needed us to go in Munich, in Munich, Germany. Well, the company that I had this episode I just described with you from and the Bob left and went to work for, with me, he was in England. Wow. So it was, and, and, and he actually bought and paid for our first office in Europe. Wow. With his own money. And he had no <laughs> equity. He, 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 the guy had two Ferraris, you know. He didn't, <laughs> it wasn't about that. He, he wanted yeah. to go, th thought it would be a, a fun journey. Yeah. And he built Europe for me. Wow. And India. And the Middle East. Wow. And so um, he, Bob really was the one that was responsible for Labware's growth as, a, as an international you know, business. Wow. Wow. So as you're appealing to somebody like that that has connections, experience, and you're asking them to put their name on the line with your company, and it sounds like even in such a way that it's not even going to become his company per se. Correct. It, what, well, it, it, from his perspective, it, he, he felt and yes. treated it like yes. it was his company, yes. but it, he didn't own it. Right. So he had to become a, an evangelist for you. Correct. What... How do you think you did that? How did you how did you win him over? How did you without him knowing owning equity? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because I think a lot of companies start out. Um, a lot of people start out. They are really good at one skill set. So say it's programming. Say it's you know they can solve this program or this this problem, but then they're they've got to solve everything else about running a business, which I knew nothing about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and especially now you've threw in this whole international thing. <laughs> you know, Patrick and I are like, oh, we might go to New Orleans, or we might go to Baltimore, or whatever. You're going to Germany, you know, <laughs> and 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 so you had this evangelist that this that guy that's bought in that that bought in, and why do you think he bought in? The reason I think that it, it the reason was first of all he was very impressed with the technology that I was able to deliver and the problem that I was able to solve that they had been working on and couldn't solve for years, and I did it you know very quickly. But at the same time, I mentioned that his company got bought out by a bigger company. And he was entrepreneurial. And the bigger company that bought him didn't like his style. So he was fighting with all the people in the, in the, you know, that acquired him and was not happy there. So he would emotionally just he, he wanted he wanted to go mess around with me <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to crush them as well <laughs> yeah i don't think he saw it as crushing them as much as he saw you know it's like okay i'm you know i don't i don't need i've got nothing else to prove you know i, I this is gonna this is gonna be really boring and i'm gonna be fighting with these guys and so they they paid him a big check and he left and you know it, it, it was fun for him 
Yeah. You know, it was it was like he, he was a natural at it, and he was and and, and we were really good friends. Uh, very different. You know, I was more technical guy. He was more the you know the extroverted guy that goes out and talks to people and you know whatever you know right. opens markets. Right. And so it was, it was it was just a, a great time. Do you think he took you under his wing? So is that the kind of concept? I or? wouldn't I wouldn't call it that. Yeah. Uh, I would say it was more like um, we were just partners. Yeah. Neither one of us was driven about money. We were trying to go out there and take and 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 you know really do the right stuff and just get good people in our orbit and take care of them and you know build a long-lasting company um and he he worked for me for 20 something years wow, wow. yeah is he still wow. around he retired he's okay. you know he's, he's still around yes yeah. but good. he retired about eight or nine years ago wow yeah that um not pursuing the dollar as your end yeah, goal. Yeah, I want to drill into that. Yeah. I, th I still see it today, even on the stage at CEC recently. Yeah. Talk about that. I just remember, you, you stood up, and I've seen it here. Um, and where's this was the so show you CEC just came back from in Florida, right? a customer education conference, and they all, they all said, all my colleagues here said, you're not going to be able to explain it until you live through it, and it's quite the truth, because it's 600 people, or I don't know how many people were there, but all came together, um, and we're... Um, it's customers, it's fellow employees, and it's really just talking about the product, um, what they're doing. Uh, it's a very unique conference that I haven't been before, before at. But you gave the opening talk, and one of them was like, we could have gone public, we could have sold the company, or you could have sold the company, we could, uh, it's not about the dollar, it's about what we're doing to change this world with the product that we have, or building a great product. Yeah, I, I would say th that's accurate. Yeah. Um, more important than the product is building the uh, team. Mm -hmm. It's about having people that really love what they're doing, are empowered, that look at it as a job for life. You know, they're not stepping stones and want to go win. Mm -hmm. And winning means different things. I, I mean, it, largely what it really means to most people here is, it, we want to make our customers really successful, and 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 we know that if we do that, um, then then we'll we'll we will get more business. So, I was never ever used to kid me for like twenty something years. Well, I, I I don't believe in marketing. The formal definition of marketing. Well, we're going to tell these stories and you know whatever, put it out there for people to see. The way that we grew the business was because. We would make our customers were big companies, and so the, we made we made the people that we were working with there in their labs that were very successful with our product. Then they'd change jobs, and they'd see what the hell is this crap. <laughs> so they would then convince their that company you need lab work, it, and it, it, that that was the way it happened. You know, we weren't forcing that. We weren't causing it. We just, if we do a good job, if you do a good job and you make people successful and happy with you and what you're doing and you really solve a problem for them, the word will get out. You don't need to force it. It'll just come. And, and that's how we've grown the business. So I saw you coding on Easter weekend. Mm -hmm. I think you were here coding on Easter weekend. Is that what drove you? Like you had a customer success you had to do? I don't know the answer to this either, so I'm not. Well, if, the answer is yes. So um, I don't actually run the business. 
business runs itself. Uh, I still am very much in the mode of if there's problems out there that need to be solved, um, that I'm generally the one that is most likely to actually solve it. Uh, to architect a solution and um, a technical side, a, t- a technical yeah. solution, and and code it. Yeah, um, I'm trying now to get out of that role, not because I don't like it, not because I'm not good at it, but at some point the company has to do it without me, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying, you know, trying to get. And I've tried for years to try to. I just I'm uniquely good at that. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just how my brain works, and I'm I, so. Um, you know, but we're getting there, you know, yeah. and that's that's like Patrick's he's he stepped into this, you know, labware thing now and he's got <laughs> well yeah. you you guys are problem solvers and you're yeah. you know, it it's a different it it complements what we're trying to do, you know, yeah. and, and it does it from a not just a data science perspective, but looking at problems and how do you solve the problems and all of that, you know. So yeah. whereas, you know, um I mean I, I I'm painting this as like it's black and white. It's I in the, for, in the early days, it was me, and you know, and then I'm trying to make it smaller and smaller and smaller that it needs me, you know. Yeah. But you also, I think you also, I know I personally, I enjoy getting back to something I'm really good at, even though it's not my day to day job. I enjoy getting into the weeds and and solving that problem technically or getting into a technical solution, um, if only to scratch that itch in my brain. Yeah, because you know, all too often our day jobs are spent dealing with just administrative business stuff. And, and that's really, it's that, it's that core competency that you have that got you to that point. That's accurate. And so what I've been doing in recent years is um, instead of just me solving the problem, we'll get a group of people, you know, and we'll, we'll work on the problem. And so, you know, that it's not, it's a team effort. Yeah. And sometimes being quiet in those projects, even though you might, if, <laughs> if they get to the answer eventually, that's better than if you get to it in five seconds. Yeah. Because then they know that they can follow that process again next time. Well, well that's actually an interesting thing that you're saying, and it's and it's relevant to this um, to what we're talking to the whole battle scars thing. Early days, we all went to lunch together. Every whole company for like years and years and years, we got lunch together. We got an issue. Let's talk about it. Well, I always had the answer. <laughs> you know, and and so. And everybody naturally is going to look to you because you're the one signing their checks, whether that's the MO you want to create or not. It wasn't the MO I wanted. Right, but it, it, it's the but reality of it. It just was. Yeah. It, but it wasn't – it was interesting because I was there to, like, let's talk about this and see what the best ways to do it. But I was just ahead. <laughs> you know, I kind of knew where it was going to go, right? Right. I wasn't forcing it to go there, but it usually ended up there. And so for a while with the company, it was pretty funny. Um as a small company, they, they thought, well, Vance is micromanaging. <laughs> that was the last thing I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, well, it always ends up what, the way he said it was going to end up. <laughs> yeah. So you got to watch that. You, if, you wanna, if you want people in the company, in a startup company, to, 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 to feel like they have a, a say and a mind of, you know, of, of how things are done, you got to give them their little battles and let them – figure it out and win without like you say c- commenting on it or you know right. step back and let it let it take it might take three times longer it's okay because you're building the culture of the company and you also can't grow as a company if you're constantly the single source of solution 
you have to have this team be able to solve these problems. Correct. And and we're look, we're there now. I mean, Great. but I'm yeah. just saying yep. It, it, yep. this is a this was a we're talking a 20 year, you know, yep. your battle. So so now um, you know, I, like I said, I'm trying to get labware so it doesn't have to have me to be successful. Yep. But I still very much am very interested in technical solutions, which is what well, it excites you. I mean, yeah. it, it it's something that you enjoy doing. Correct. And that, yeah. that that's why I'm involved with now this racing stuff because you know i i can go i can go you know work on that you know and help and, and apply the stuff that i learned when i was in school um and leave lab alone a little bit <laughs> <laughs> we patrick and i always used to talk about that if we ever went on a client meeting we would suck all the oxygen out of the room for the rest of our team because they would no matter no matter the skill set of everybody else at the table everybody at least on the client side, is looking to the owners. They know the buck stops there. They know whatever. And and it, it, we found that it was almost better for us at times to not go to those meetings, even though the answer might not have been what we would have come up with per se or might be a little more complicated or whatever. But it, we can't grow as a company if we're the ones constantly providing that solution. That's exactly right. But the hard part for me sometimes is I wanted to hear the problem from the client's mouth. So it was really, really hard to step out of those meetings. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we used to have to. Fi we called it firing ourselves. <laughs> like every time, all right, we're, yeah, I just got fired from my <laughs> my position now because someone else is doing it better than I am. But they, yeah. they'll end up being that way too. Yeah, the way I've always looked at it was um, the client facing people are, are are consultants who implement the system for a customer, and then they run into something and they say, "I we need the factory to give us oh, this cool. functionality," and I always push back and say, no, what's the problem? Don't tell me what to do. What's the problem you're trying to solve and why are you trying to solve it? And once I got clear on that, then I would always look at it and say, okay, is this problem representative of a generic solution, you know, problem set that isn't specific to that customer, but if we solve this class of problem in a generic manner, it applies to everybody. So you were, and this is a really good definition of your role in that they were focused on solving this customer problem, this client problem, but you were looking at how does this better the overall business? How does this solve more client problems or open up to more opportunities? Exactly. Right. And that may affect slightly how the problem is solved in this solution because it may be a product or it may be something that can be uh, offer opportunities to others. Uh, absolutely. And that, yeah. that's, that's, that's been our success, the reason yeah. for our success is because that's how we've always looked at it. We don't want a customer to ever have custom code because if they have custom code that's specific to that customer, then good luck supporting that on a big scale. Try to upgrade it. You can't do it. So, um, you know, what we've done that our competitors haven't done is we, we, we make generic solutions which are configurable and they're not customized and therefore they're upgradable. So we keep our customers. We, we, are, we have customers from, from the beginning of time, you know, that, that we've, we've kept with us, you know, 25, 30 years. And that's the greatest success, right? Yeah. So you said you gave DuPont like a one-year head start before you would talk to any other competitors. Yes. Did other clients, particularly in the early days, say, I only want this for me. I don't want any other market, anybody else in the market to use this product? N no. Okay. Okay. Because that's something we would run into, particularly in, you mentioned pharmaceutical. Um, 
we would run into that uh, where we would be marketing, we'd be covering a a product or an indication for a product, and we were not allowed to work with a competitor in that space. And for us, it was marketing, so I could get that. It was messaging, that sort of thing. But I guess uh, with you being sort of the nuts and bolts technology side of things, the operation side of things, um, I guess I still would have thought that somebody would have said, this is a competitive advantage for us if we use this. And I hesitated on my answer to you. Yeah. And the reason I hesitated was because, yes, the conversation had been had, <laughs> um, but the where we got to is, well, what business are you in? Are, are, you're a pharmaceutical company. Are you in the software business? Or are you about making, you know, drugs right and so their core competency was not around what we do and therefore you 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 make your business around what you guys do really well and you know we're going to make our business around what we really do well and it's in everybody's best interest if we are the industry standard um i want to loop back to something earlier you said about uh when you went into merck and you said you were focused on a highly regulated industry you were you said two or three people at that time mm -hmm. They are putting their products, their customers' lives, their brands in some level on this product, and you were a three-person essential unknown. How did you overcome that obstacle? The way that that happened with them was it was more that I licensed them technology that they could use, and we could help them then develop something which they otherwise would have developed in-house. So they didn't initially do it as a, you know, an end-customer you know, of course, now the whole business is run on, you know, we we own the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. Um, but that's how that happened with them. You know, okay. It was it was more of a, they weren't depending upon the fact that we'd be around in two years. You know, they were, they so were, they were doing licensing something. The I code. had technology that okay. would help them get there faster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. So a little different direction, um, but I'm curious. All right. So you have a blueberry farm that, where a blueberry farm shouldn't be. <laughs> you've got, um, you're gonna drive a tank down 52, the fastest that any tank has ever been driven. Um, you've, you're in uh, Carvatize, you're in a bunch of other bar vision. You support the um, community uh, entrepreneurial in, in our area. Um, what's the model? Like, what do you, what do you search for? Like, what do you get out of that? It's an interesting question. It's not one that I ponder very much. Right, but there's um, a model there somewhere. No, I think what I would, the way I would characterize it would be to say that um, at a certain level, I consider that I've been extremely lucky, you know, to live in America and the time that I've lived here, you know, and had these opportunities in front of me. Um, and, you know, obviously, I mean, you have to do something to take advantage of them, but there's a certain time in which you want to try to pay it back. You you want to help others, you know. It's rewarding to help other to help others, like what you guys are doing. That's <laughs> yeah. the whole point of this, right? Yeah, I mean, right. you're trying to help others learn from what uh, success has happened, you know, right. by the people that you interview. And so I I, I, I I like doing that. I like helping them. You, you know? choose some, and you you don't choose others. Like, what is there a a, a model in your head that there's a thread? Yeah. Some people will listen and some people won't. Ah, I see. <laughs> no, yeah. I like to actually have it where it's a relationship where I listen to the grand, you know, the plan, right? And then I'll say, guys or gals, whatever, that's a little too ambitious, you know, or whatever. 
maybe you know it's not good as a startup when you know you you have two salespeople that say you're going to hire 15 salespeople next year. That doesn't sound like that'll work. <laughs> so why don't we just do five? And then if they listen, then they realize I was correct because I've had all the years. Right. And then it becomes almost like they're smiling the next time they they, they make this statement. We're going to do this. <laughs> you know, in other words. I'm not putting them down and I'm not telling them that, you know, you dumb asses or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not that at all. It's, it's just like, it's like, that was another Vance lesson. <laughs> you know, I, I learned, you know, they learn it for themselves, but it, but it keep them from making a mistake, which could sink the company. And, and, and by the way, that's the most important thing. Don't ever take bets that can kill your company. Like what? Like what? And whether it's taking a bunch of money from somebody, for VC example, or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, so, something that we're taking on a contract you can't fulfill. You know, that that, that has legal ramifications. Whatever. It just just. But it goes it goes the other way too, and that has a lot to do with technology. So you know, if you're doing stuff with technology and that technology becomes dead ended, you know, you can be screwed. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, a lot of, for example, I'll just go a couple examples. You know, like a lot of people did stuff with Visual Basic. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. Power Builder doesn't exist anymore. So, you you have to be careful when you're you're making your your decisions about the long term view, and you don't want to ever put yourself in a position with your company that something can happen beyond your control that can take you out. I think that's a very good advanced lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening? And then um, you're you're in a supporter in the community of places people don't even know. They don't even hear about. Right. Um, what, what's the uh, and this could be in Delaware. This could be in Hawaii. This could be in Washington State, San Francisco, wherever. What's that? You know, it's easy to say. Oh, I just love my community and that kind of thing. But is there a, a driver there? Yeah, there is. Um, specifically in you know the, the community in Delaware here. Um, you know, since I live here and I've worked here for, I, I am trying to help get the education system to be more effective. I'm trying to promote STEM, trying to um, really, really raise the game of the competitiveness of the people who go through education systems in Delaware to come out the other end and, and, and and be better and that will stimulate more business here and um so i'm looking at it from the from from perspective of all through the education system uh, we got to do some stuff different if we really want to be competitive and we have a good foundation to build from and i think that's a that's always a good thing correct um and a history of science and technology that can be leveraged it just needs some more investment yeah. It needs the right people at the right points in time. Yeah. And so I'm trying to take the long-term view with the things I support to get public education to be straightened out, to be more interested in STEM. I mean, yeah. make sure University of Delaware goes in the direction I think they should go to support entrepreneurship and all that sort of stuff. And partnerships with, with industry and um, have a space at the star campus where people from outside can come in and, 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 and mingle with the people that live in the little bubbles of their academic. I'll take that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my advanced lesson. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, great. Um, I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Um, I know I learned a lot about your background, and I hope that a lot of people learned about starting out and solving these problems and jumping out from a big corporation out onto your own. Uh, do you have any yeah, closing any, thoughts? Yeah, um, any other closing thoughts that you would give to your kids? Students you know, at entrepreneur students, program. Yeah, I, you know, I ran into a student at CEC who's joined Labware since, and uh, he came up to me. He's like, I don't know if Vance realizes it, but he, when he came to my entrepreneur class, that's what made me want to come to work there or whatever. Oh, I'm how dying about to, that? I, I'm dying to, and I said, you got to go tell him. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous. And I said, you got to do something that scares you. Remember, do something that scares you. <laughs> but um, uh, you told him something. I don't know what it, what, what it was, but what, like, what do you think drives the students? In? So I... I speak every year in the entrepreneurship class at University of Delaware. Um, and I try, I, I tell them something different every year. You know, it's always a different approach, you know. But I try to ground it in the real world and try to, you know, just connect them to re make them think outside the box because it's very easy to think that you're just going to learn everything at school that you need in order to be successful in the real world. And, um, and that doesn't usually happen. Um, so, or it's not meant to happen. It's meant to, it's meant to teach you how to think. And mm -hmm. so then what I'm really emphasizing with them is, is how to think about things in a broader context than, than what they, I'm simplifying this to, to, and generalizing this. Um, and I use lots of different examples and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so that they, 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 they can sort of think outside the box a little bit, you know, and, and um, and I'm all, I'll help any of them that, that, with their ideas or what they're trying to do. Sweet. That's great. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks, Vance, for making the time to do this. This sure. is important. Yeah. Sure. Vance, thank you very much. Yep, you're um, welcome. And this ends another uh, episode of Battle Scars. There you go. Well, thank you.